What is up, fantasy people? You are back with the True North Fantasy Pod presented by Monkey Knife Fight. We are, of course, part of the Fantasy Points Media Group and our promo code 21TRUENORTH10 will get you 10% off at fantasypoints.com for all of that elite analysis, resources, and tools that can help you score more fantasy points. Uh, I am Trav, coming from beautiful Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, co-hosting and West Coast, and as always, is Tyrell McLaughlin. What's going on, buddy? Uh, Same old, same old. I think you could describe my atmosphere today as pretty giddy all around. I'm just super excited. Yeah, yeah, I know. This is going to be a really fun one, man. I love diving into rankings, and we have one of the best in the biz joining us tonight. That would be the lead analyst from The Score, the host of The Score Fantasy Football Podcast, 2019's most accurate ranker on Fantasy Pros, and top seven in the last seven seasons as far as Fantasy Pros rankings goes. That would be Mr. Justin Boone. Thank you for joining the show tonight, my man. Hey, thanks for having me. I heard a rumor it was your 100th episode here. That's super exciting. I feel very honored to be the guest for the 100th episode. And yeah, I'm glad we could do this. We were talking a bit before the show that, you know, things haven't gotten too crazy yet. We're about to have the preseason kick off here. And and once the season comes around, then, you know, it's all downhill from there. And we're completely underwater (laughs) for like four or five months. But right now is the the perfect time to do something like this. So I'm glad we're able to set it up and glad I could spend some time with you guys. Only yeah, fitting to have another Canadian. Only fitting. There you go. <laughs> well, I think and it's somebody like Justin, I think, who allowed Trav and I to have the goals that we put in place. Uh, getting into the saturated market that is fantasy football. Seeing somebody like Justin, uh, frankly, dominate the competition from up north is uh, definitely aspirational, if that's a real word. But uh, I, I just think it's too cool because you, a lot of people know that I kind of have the propensity to pump up our guests sometimes, but I think it's because we get the best guests and it's more just for the benefit of our listeners or our viewers to get a bit of a backstory. Uh, but also just because this one is, if there ever was one, a get your notepad out kind of episode because we're planning to just talk a bunch of wide receiver fantasy values pretty much. Uh, and it's full on, you know, projection ranking season after all, right about now, fantasy drafts are kind of just around the corner all of a sudden, even home leagues. And there's just literally, you said it, Trav, nobody better on the planet to ask about player values because Justin, yeah, you finished seventh or better in the fantasy pros accuracy, seven straight years. And your accuracy at the wide receiver position uh, specifically is just totally unparalleled, I think, uh, and with the running back dead zone being kind of fantasy football's worst kept secret, all of a sudden, uh, there I think wide receivers are getting a little bit more attention this offseason, it feels like. But Justin, I think we would be remiss to not ask you a question or two about rankings. Just it seems like such an art form to an extent, but at the same time, there isn't really any tricks to gain the system. As I tried to ply from you pre-show, there really isn't. Um, but there, you know, I wanted to ask you one question because there's been some injury news in the past week that's cropped up among wide receivers, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Smith. So how do you treat a player who suffers an injury in training camp or preseason? Like not from a buy-sell perspective, but from a ranking standpoint. Uh, I think it's really got to be case by case. And I know that's probably not the answer you want, but there isn't really like a a blanket statement that I can make of, I'm going to treat them all this way. Um, I know normally when, you know, players get hurt, you kind of want to shy away from them a little bit, 
but you can't, you can't just kind of stereotype it like that because there's some instances where the general public is going to fade a player and that guy actually might be healthy and might be back in time and you can get him at an incredible value. Right. So when you look at it, you know, somebody like Devonta Smith, it sounds like he's going to be okay. It sounds like, you know, this knee sprain is on the minor side of knee sprains. Now, it's not ideal that he's going to be missing some time here, some valuable reps as a, a rookie. You don't want to see that happen. But remember last year when Justin Jefferson got placed on the COVID list and people were saying, oh, no, Justin Jefferson, now he's not going to be ready for the season. And the guy comes out and just has like one of the most dominant rookie wide receiver seasons we've, we've ever seen, right? So uh, for me, what I'm trying to do is, you know, I'm looking at all the different injury analysts and there are a lot of great injury analysts in the, in the industry now. Um, you know, Gene Bramwell, I feel like he's the best, but Stefania Bell at ESPN, uh, Gene Bramwell at, at Football Guys, I should give him all the props he deserves. Uh, you know, Stefania Bell at ESPN, Edwin Porras at Fantasy Points, Matthew Betts, there's so many out there now. And I always say this when it comes to uh, beat writer reports or when it comes to the injury analysis, you don't just want to look at one person. You don't just want to look at what they're saying and go with that. You want to look at as many possible opinions as you can. And that's why when we have these beat writers talking about players, you want to hear them all kind of saying something, not just one of them going out on a limb, perhaps, right? It's the same with the injury analysis. If you look at three, four different analysts who you have some faith in, you can kind of piece together your own thoughts on it. You can look at what they have to say and then figure out with what you know. And I've been around for a little while now. I have a little bit of knowledge on some of these injuries, you know, when a, a high ankle sprain comes along, that's incredibly worrisome and that player is not going to be right for a while, maybe not for the rest of the season if they don't you know, allow it to heal enough early on. So you really just have to look at it case by case. And with Devonta Smith, I'm not that worried yet, in part because I just don't think the Eagles have a lot of other options. They, they need him. He is going to see volume. I had him well behind Jamar Chase as far as the, the rookie rankings coming out um, for this class. But I think in the, the instance that he fell into – he is going to get the volume in that offense. And even if he profiles in my mind, more like maybe a, a really good number two option in the pros, he's going to get a chance to be that number one. Now there are durability concerns and this isn't great that he's coming out already having an issue so that you got to keep that in mind as well. And really, if you look at different players, you know, uh, a Michael Thomas is going to fall in the rankings. We know he's going to be out a while. And what does that mean for the rest of the season? But there's so much nuance with all these things, right? It's not just, that time frame that the guy is going to be out for one month or two months or however many weeks it's what's his status with the team. Michael Thomas had issues with them in the last year or two. There was talk of potentially trading him. Is he unhappy? We've seen guys like Kenny Galladay and AJ green with their teams. You know, they got an injury. They weren't happy with the team. They didn't come back at all in those seasons. They kind of just sat out and said they weren't healthy and that was it. And they ended up on other squads. So um, I'm keeping that in the back of my mind with Michael Thomas too. And I'm really starting to shy away from him. I have him outside of my top 50 receivers. Um, you know, a guy like Raheem Mostert is another good example of somebody who we have durability concerns about. And then he goes out in OTAs and he's not there. And they called it a minor knee sprain. And is he going to be okay or not? I don't know, but I know his team traded up to get a running back. And I know that this is a guy that every time they gave Raheem Mostert more work, he broke down pretty much. And now you have OTAs where, he's not able to get on the field. So that's the kind of thing where when that comes up, it's very concerning, right? And now you start to worry about that player. You start to bump them down the rankings or shy away from them in drafts. So 
if I had to give one blanket statement, it's just that you got to look at this stuff case by case and try to get as much information and, and data as possible to try to make the most accurate decision on these players. No, that's good. We always preach to be water. And um, if the blanket statement is there is no blanket statement, I think that's good <laughs> to put the ball in the fantasy manager's court and find those resources you trust. That's something that Ty's taught me a lot as we've kind of gone through that is a, a bunch of different resources that he trusts and uh, I've grown to trust them as well. And um yeah, especially for yeah, obviously for you for in for uh, rankings, of course. Um, we love love the doctors out there, but you are somebody that we trust for rankings, and so I want to tinker a little bit here, Justin, because I love rankings. Um, I find them tedious. I find sometimes I they get blurry when I'm looking at the computer screen for that long. But I love when you come out with a set that you really really like. But one thing that I do find with my rankings is that I'll often wind up with these little clusters of running backs or clusters of wide receivers. Um, and I'm wondering, from like a tiebreaker sense, is that something that you find that you come up with sometimes in your rankings or do you have any specific tiebreakers that you use and we'll start with like positions so running back versus running back or wide receiver versus wide receiver uh yeah i mean that happens all the time and it's it's really difficult and i mean there there's so many tiebreakers right it depends how deep you want to go with it mm -hmm. um if it's the same position that we're deciding between uh fantasy strength of schedule is a big one and and not just regular strength of schedule sometimes people get those confused like yeah. i know there's a lot of different sources that have them but i have my fantasy strength of schedule matrix that you can find that in our draft kit and i break it down by each position and color code it to make it nice and easy um and that just gives you another idea once again you can't just look at that and make your decision but if you're talking about tiebreakers that's a really good one to look at just to get an idea of maybe what that player is going to be going up against at their position for the whole season. And then if you want to break that down even further, early season schedule tends to be a little more predictive. You can't really look ahead yeah. too far because you start to get injuries. We start to figure out that some teams are better or worse than we thought. So if you really just look at the early season schedule, and I wrote an article when the schedule came out of the easiest to most difficult early season schedules, you can take a look at that. And that gives you an advantage. If you can get off to a hot start in your season, it depends on the format, but Really, it's great to get off to that hot start because now you're in the driver's seat. Now you can start to make some decisions with your team, maybe make some trades that set you up for later, and you're not trying to scramble. And I always tell people, you know, if you're behind the eight ball and you're 0-4, you got to start making those moves like trading away guys that already, you know, that already had their bye week and getting guys yeah. that haven't had a you know, all that sort of stuff, right? Um, trying to make those little, little tinkering moves. And often that doesn't work out even if you make every possible move once you're owing for it's really tough to come back from mm -hmm. from that so um you want to get off to that hot start that's one depends on the format though if you look at like scott fishbowl i've been doing pretty well at scott fishbowl you know for several years now i feel like i make it to the playoffs every time made it to the semis one year but i haven't made it to the finals so this year i really put more emphasis on that playoff schedule and trying to get players that i thought were going to be really hot later in the year that can be foolish like i said because if you look at it now and try to figure out what the case is going to be in December, sometimes it doesn't look like we think it's yeah. going to look. But <laughs> but um, some of the you know, best fantasy few... players, yeah, some of the best fantasy players identify that when it comes to winning giant tournaments like the Football Guys Players Championship and stuff. They do identify that. I know we don't always get multiple entries into the Scott Fishbowl, but um, uh, we definitely get what you're saying. And it's just it's harder to identify 
late season strength of schedules because of obviously all the variance that goes on during a season. But also, I feel there's some teams that you can rely on it a little bit more, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year and this year again, in fact. Uh, teams that have a lot more stability, I guess you would say, uh, more well-rounded teams. I think we can lean on that a little bit more for sure. Yeah, and there's a few teams too, like the 49ers I know from week 14 on, the Bengals, so the Falcons, the Titans, and the Texans. Like that's a great schedule. Uh, the Broncos have the Lions, the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Chargers. So even though we don't know what's going to be happening, we've got a pretty good feeling that those yeah. are going to be excellent schedules. And a lot of rookies on those teams that you can get some nice value on, Trey Lance, Trey Sermon, Javante Williams, yeah. guys that – Maybe fantasy managers aren't totally confident in right now because they don't know about their week one role, but you feel pretty good about in the second half of the season, they'll be coming on. So that can kind of all come together. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, going back to the tiebreaker thing, it really does depend on like the, the build, right? Like um, for running backs, the quality of the offensive line can be a big one and I'll have our yeah. offensive line rankings out uh, next week. Um, so people will be able to reference that. Quality of the quarterback is big for, I mean, the whole offense, but especially for the pass catchers, that's another one. If you're deciding between two guys, you know, you might want to go with the one that has the the better quarterback, uh, just give you a little more confidence in them. So, um, and then really, if I had to pick one and this one, I don't love saying because it's really hard to quantify, but it comes down to upside, right? It's, it's which guy do you think has the higher ceiling? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That really normally for me, when I'm drafting, not just when I'm ranking, but when I'm drafting, that tends to be the biggest tiebreaker. Who do I yeah. think can can reach the the higher heights if everything goes right for them? So um, when you're talking about breaking it up at, at the, the same position, I think those are the main ones that I'm looking at. But like I said, you can keep going further and further and further down. Yeah, yeah totally. we are. Yeah, sorry. We are just 100% a lean into the high variance podcast here for sure. For sure. Uh, because you're stacking those players, you know, just Matt, you just need to hit on two out of those three high variance players you've taken and, uh, and you're set. So another tiebreaker I think is kind of interesting. Uh, speaking of high variance is this whole players getting vaccinated and unvaccinated. And it has nothing to do with anything, uh, controversial whatsoever. It's just the language that's come out is very strict and it could put your team at a higher risk. And, you know, it just, it really is an incentive for these players to get vaccinated. And I think there might be tiebreakers teams are making between players on the roster bubble, whether a player's vaccinated might come into play. It might for me anyways, but, uh, I was wondering, since you're a Bills fan, I thought you'd be the perfect person to ask. And because, you know, <laughs> Cole Beasley is in the news, but I think what's less understood is that, uh, what's his face? Gabe Davis uh, is also unvaccinated. So are you moving any of these players up? Are you moving Emmanuel Sanders down? What are you doing with these players? Yeah, every time Cole Beasley makes the comment about how he's in a position in his career where he can say all of this and, you know, there's other players who aren't. Every time I just keep thinking, oh, no, Josh Allen. Oh, no. Like, just don't yeah. don't get COVID. Don't get placed yeah. on the COVID list like the week of the Super Bowl. Like, oh, my God. Right. Because um, obviously the Bills are going to make the Super Bowl this year. We know that. <laughs> um, yeah, I got asked this on a, a Denver radio station the other day, and I'm really not overreacting to players vaccinated or not vaccinated as far as the rankings go. I think we could just be really – it's a situation where you could be too cute, where you're just trying to – this one where you're drilling down and you think, okay, I got – this is something that could be predictive. I don't know. I don't feel confident that that's going to be predictive, that we could tell who's going to be affected or, or not affected. Do I think that players should get vaccinated? Of course. I mean, I haven't really heard a – a good reason not to be, but nobody wants to hear my like public service announcement on that, especially Cole Beasley. Um, you know, initially <laughs> I bumped him down the, the rankings, but 
part of that was not just the fact that he was saying that he didn't want to get vaccinated. It was also he was causing fights with teammates on social media. He was saying that he might retire because of this. Like there was all this other nonsense around it that started to make me a little worried. And then at the same time, you have this other veteran receiver show up to town and Emmanuel Sanders who goes and gets his vaccination, who, you know, beat writers are talking up that he's going to be the guy that's getting more playing time, that he's going to be out there and two receiver sets. So that's the, sort of the reason why I bumped Beasley down. Um, but if we're, if we're looking at other players and trying to figure out, you know, is this going to impact them or not? I just think we, we could be really putting ourselves in a position where you're, you're really just trying to do guesswork there. And I don't feel confident that that's going to be predictive. So no, I'm not really bumping anybody down, but kind of similar to the, the OTA injury question. I mean, it's sort of case by case. If you have another Beasley situation yeah. where you think that the guy is causing more trouble or, you know, or it's a, t- a team, like you said, where a guy might be on the roster bubble, if it's a deeper dynasty league and you're holding a player and now you don't know if that player is going to make the team because he's talking up about how he doesn't want to get vaccinated. Then yeah. In that instance, you might want to move on and grab somebody else, but I wouldn't overreact to this because look at the Beasley thing, right? Beasley's in camp. He's with the team. You know, people thought he was going to get cut and all this stuff. It seems like he's going to be there and he's going to be a part of that offense. And uh, Sean McDermott, just a great coach. They have a great culture there. And he's saying all the right things. You know, he, he treats that team like it's, it's a big family and, you know, they understand that Beasley thinks differently and they're, they're trying to help him along this process and, you know, get that kind of team atmosphere going again, because the bills really had something <laughs> special and everybody kind of pointing in the right direction. And you don't want somebody coming in there and throwing that completely off. So uh, fantasy wise. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't overreact to it. And the bills let's not forget scored 54 PPR points combined at the wide receiver position per game last year, first in the NFL. So we don't want to be fading bills wide receivers, but I, I thought that was interesting. And uh, thank you for pointing it out because I meant to off the top of the show, but the draft kit is live on the score app and it is spectacular. Um, and I think we see some of that reflected, like your, your thoughts on, you know, case by case. That's why I gave you Tyreek versus, you know, well, with top five wide receiver versus a guy who's in that wide receiver 40 area, you know, it's going to be very different when that player comes back, what we can expect them to, uh, you know, get back. And uh, I thought new Hopkins, uh, because he's also in that vaccination conversation, um, still residing in your top five of your wide receiver rankings, whereas a Cole Beasley Another- might slide a little bit. Yeah. And, and Hopkins, I mean, he's such a star and, you know, I assume he's going to be out there, but that's another one where he did mention retirement again. So we got to keep an eye on that. <laughs> yeah. Here's hoping, here's hoping that doesn't happen. And it, uh, to, with, the, with the Twitter beefs and stuff, it sounds like Cole Beasley's really embracing that hip hop lifestyle. Um, so it's good that he has something to fall back on if he does indeed intend to retire. Um, but Ty, you mentioned, uh, mentioned Tyreek and I really want to dive into some of these top of the draft wide receivers Justin or top of the ranking sorry wide receivers and we will start with your wide receiver one Mr. Devontae Adams Um, I also have Devontae Adams as my wide receiver one especially with uh, Aaron Rodgers back in the fold and committed he's got that sweet new golf cart from David Bakhtiari as well so seems like he's going to be in there and kind of supplanted in in the role for another season um, but with Devontae, what I love even more, Justin, is that you have him as your fourth overall player ahead of running backs like Zeke and Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones and Saquon Barkley, um, where I think consensus might not necessarily have that. I know in drafts you see like six or seven running backs come off the board right away, but I'm curious to kind of dive into the mind and um, see what what has you having him over those running backs, because uh, I, I just love that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, when you talk about these top guys, I mean, I don't even know how much of a case I need to make here. I mean, we're talking True. about Devontae Adams. When Rodgers wasn't going to be there potentially, I had bumped him down kind of to the bottom of that first tier just outside of there. I was worried. But once you know that Aaron Rodgers is there, the connection those two have, the lack of really target competition. I know they brought in Randall Cobb. I know they drafted Amari Rodgers. But let's face it, there's no one even close to Adams in that offense. It's not like they went out and got a Julio. It's not even like they went out and got a Corey Davis or something. Really, Adams is just so much further ahead of everybody in that passing attack. So the guy is going to get a ton of volume. Again, the connection that he has with Rogers, it's, they just, they have that mind meld now, right? Like mm-hmm. he had with Jordy Nelson, like you just see it once they get around the red zone, it's almost, it seems like it's easier at times for them to throw that quick little out to Adams, as opposed to trying to even run it in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the guy could put up huge touchdown totals. The guy's going to see a ton of volume. Uh, the Packers are going to throw, you know, Rogers is going to be pissed off after all this stuff that happened. <laughs> He'll come back out with a fire under him again. So yeah, I was happy to put, I started the off season with Adams as my number one receiver. And once we got that Rogers stuff figured out, I was happy to get to put him right back up at the top there, but it is, it's a pretty close tier at the top with uh, him and Tyree kill and, and Stefan Diggs. I think all those guys are going to have really, really great years. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to talk about those guys um, in just one sec, but um, I, uh, I really love what you said there about Devontae. Two of the past three seasons, he's had over 320 points, 22 or more points per game in both of those years as well. And the previous season, he, he only played 12 games and was on pace for a down year in touchdowns. So um, I, I like that top five overall ranking for him. So Tyreek and Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs, your boy, obviously from the Bills. Um, and Tyreek is just out of this world as far as big plays and explosiveness and has Patrick Mahomes. Um, so you've got those guys, I would say, like a little bit of a tier below him in your overall rankings. Um, and I'm curious, what um, what was the separation there? Like what would Tyreek have over Diggs and in relation to Adams as well? Yeah, it's very close. And every time I update the rankings, there could be little switches. I mean, Diggs could move uh, over Hill. Like it's that close, especially between those two. Um, I know, you know, Hill's got a a bit of an injury. He's a little nicked up right now. That could be something that we could take into consideration. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, But out of this group, I mean, I would say that, that Hill has the most target competition and it's, it's obviously Travis Kelsey's there. And he's essentially, it's either, you know, 1-1-A, I don't know which way you want to go with it, but both those guys are at the top of the pecking order there. But you also have like Amico Hardman coming on. Mm-hmm. Is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going to get more work there? Like there are a lot of pieces in that offense, guys that could start to get a few more few more touches, a few more targets. Um, so that's the that's the difference between him and, and Adams, really. And it's we're splitting hairs when you're talking about guys at the top. And then Stefan Diggs, it's kind of what we talked about a second ago, right? Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, we're getting some good reports. I like Sanders. I'm grabbing him at a value just to see what he can do. Maybe put up some wide receiver three numbers for us in fantasy. But he's still a 34-year-old receiver. You know, He's on the backside of his career. You have Cole Beasley and all the things we just talked about with him. We have Gabe Davis, who seems to be maybe falling down the pecking order a Mm -hmm. little bit there. Dawson Knox, not really a huge role in that offense. Um, You know, they they throw the backs a little bit. But, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of volume. And Dig showed last year, you know, what he can do in this offense. And, and he's going to be almost like that Devontae Adams type player where they're going to feed him and they're going to feed him constantly as long as he is healthy. Um, but you asked before, too, and I didn't really touch on it. When you're looking at these guys against those running backs near the top, mm-hmm. I often feel safer going because after you get past uh, CMC and Dalvin Cook at the very top, 
after you get past those two, there's really question marks about almost yeah. everybody moving forward at that point. Especially where, if you can get an Aaron Jones in the second round. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you can get uh, Antonio Gibson or an Aaron Jones or one of those guys in the second round, there's a few options there that really excite me. So if I can start off by getting uh, a top five or a top three receiver and then come back and get one of those high upside running backs in the second that have top five potential, I really like that start. And if you can come back around maybe and at the beginning of the third, grab like a Darren Waller, uh, now you're really off to the races with yeah. uh, with that build. So uh, that is the that's what's kind of pushed some of those guys up my my board. Um, on top of the fact that you know there's always the the general worries about you know running back turnover and the injuries and some of those guys are getting a little older. But yep. like we said, there, there's really question marks and you can go through them. Camara with Breeze not there and the quarterback change. I think he's going to be okay, but it's worth mentioning. And I'm not trying to really downplay any of these guys. I think they're all fantastic, but. Um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, how much is Tony Pollard going to be involved? Uh, Derek Henry, over 700 touches total the last two years. Yeah. At what point does he start breaking down? He's getting up there. Um, you know, there's all these guys along the way. Jonathan Taylor, who was somebody that was really high up there, and now he doesn't have his quarterback. Injuries on the offensive line. How much is Naheem Hines going to be involved? How good does Marlon Mack look? Apparently he's coming back from this Achilles yes. and he looks pretty good. Which I gives just us took him in a best ball. I just took him in a best ball. Gives us a little cool hope for it. Cam Akers next year, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you could really <laughs> go through all those guys and and pick apart, you know, issues. And that's why I don't mind anybody that wants to make an argument. I see some people really pushing Austin Eckler up and moving him into like their top five. Yeah. That's not a crazy thing to do. I don't really love the the touchdown upside with him. That's what concerns me there, but I get why people would do that and think that he's going to be like that next Kamara. So um, that's why I would look towards some of those receivers pretty early in that first round, especially in the middle of the first round, because I think you can come back and, and get a running back that could potentially be a, a really a first round pick for you and you can get them in the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of youth in that second round running back pool that you're finding. Even like DeAndre Swift, Clyde, those guys are pretty nice to get in there as well. Um, real quick time, I'm going to pass it off to you, but I found out like a wicked efficiency stat for Stefan Diggs uh, today when I was digging in. The guy had just over 1,700 air yards and he converted into over 1,500 yards. Like, that's insane. Over 90% conversion on his air yards. Um, yeah, I just thought that was a wicked stat endorsing Stefan Diggs. He's actually probably one of my favorite receivers in the league, Justin. So I'm riding with your bills this season, man. He always told us how good he was and that he wanted mm-hmm. to be that number one. And then he finally got the shot and he delivered. Yeah. What's with that, that 93 target season? What's with that 93 targets, Minnesota? Feed him a buck <laughs> 70 and see what he can do. Well, that's Brian Dable. You know, I think a big piece of this puzzle, why we want Bill's wide receivers, why we see the market share we do is not only Josh Allen's tendencies, but it's Brian Dable. Big time deserves a ton of credit for last season and going forward. Uh, I'm elated yeah, that Bills, he's there. They got lucky that he stuck around. They got very oh, lucky that he didn't get yes. a coaching job. Because, yeah, goodness. we look at it even next year. I, I start to worry a little bit about some of the changes that could happen on offense if, if he's not around. And not big stuff, I don't think. You know, guys are going to we talked a bit about this on, on my podcast today. We had Pat Fitzmorris on and we talked about quarterbacks that could potentially, you know, bust this year. And I, I didn't want to say it, but I had to say like Josh Allen, I don't think he's going to fall to, you know, outside of the top 10 or something. But you start to look at, OK, are the, the rushing numbers going to come down a bit? Are they going to be a little worried and not want to put him in danger, especially around the goal line? He's scoring eight, nine rushing touchdowns a year. Does that fall down to four or five one of these years, which wouldn't be crazy. We know the touchdown variance that there can be. Um, and that could you know, take away his ceiling and maybe bump him out of that, 
that chase for the number one overall spot of the top top three. So uh, once again, going back to the Dable thing, I don't think that's going to happen this year. That's something maybe we're going to be writing about more concerned about next season if Dable gets a head head coaching job. And and I think you're not like crazy on Josh Allen. Like, you know, we might expect some of his efficiency to meet in the middle. Like it was ridiculously unprecedented that meteoric leap he made in his third season. Like it was insane. Um, by the way, Trav, my favorite dig stat is the easiest stat. He just scored half as many touchdowns as Tyreek and Devonte Adams last year. So yeah. he could probably easily just outscore them in fantasy because of touchdown regression, because of high variance yeah. at the touchdown, uh, totally. in the touchdown call that we see every year. But talking about all these Bills wide receivers, the benefits that that offense provides those pass catchers, I wanted to mention the Cowboys wide receivers. And actually, really quick, best ball in the mind. You cannot stack these two teams. It's so heartbreaking. They both have week seven buys. It sucks. But the Cowboys are very much in the news. Like Amari is on the pup to start camp. The history he's had with these kind of injuries and the general outrage that Amari has sparked uh, being rated higher than AJ Brown on Madden is also factoring into this, of course, <laughs> but this is all snowballed uh, to push sophomore stud CD lamb ahead of Amari Cooper in fantasy drafts over the past month or so. So Justin, what is your answer to Amari versus CD lamb for 2021? I, I love when people overreact to those Madden rankings. I love when people overreact to any stupid thoughts on Twitter. Cole it's just like just, higher than just, DJ Moore. Just don't respond. If someone puts exactly. out something stupid, whether exactly. it's EA Sports or whoever, I tweeted, just don't what, even they, just yeah. what do they want? Bill on. Belichick doing Madden ratings? Like, do you guys want yeah. Bill Belichick doing them? Like, I don't know what people want. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. it's misplaced aggression, right? People are mad about it. And other why things would Madden change? Listen to the people waiting on this. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I wrote a um, I wrote a bold predictions column. Uh, it was probably a few weeks ago now, and one of them was that all three Cowboys receivers would finish in the top twenty-four. And I don't I didn't even know if that was bold enough because I didn't think it was that crazy. Because if you look at what was happening last year, people forget how good Michael Gallup was last year. And I know you know there's some ups and downs, and maybe you're not going to get those consistent performances when you have three really solid receivers, but you're going to get those spiked weeks along the way. And overall, these guys are going to put up pretty good numbers. So if you look before the injury last year in week five, uh, the Cowboys were throwing the ball on average over 40 times per game, just a ton. That defense has not gotten that much better. They're going to have to throw a lot again. We'll see what's going on with Dak's shoulder. I don't think there's a big concern. It seems like they got a lot of time. They're just going to let him kind of get healthy and not really push it. There's no reason to right now. So not really sounding any alarm bells there. But if you look at those first five weeks before Dak got hurt, you had Cooper as the wide receiver three overall. You had Lamb wide receiver 14. You had Gallup wide receiver 30. All three of them fantasy starters. And now this year, like you said, you got Cooper a little nicked up. We'll see. He's supposed to be back and okay. We'll see what happens there. But I think he's going to be all right. And yeah, they're going to throw a ton. You have CD Lamb just every single day. There's like five highlights coming out of training camp <laughs> that just make him look like he's the next superstar. And you have a lot of talk from coaches and beat writers saying that Michael Gallup is really impressing. And of course he's impressing in 2019, the guy had over 1100 yards, right? There's a really good receiver. If, if CD lamb didn't show up last year, Gallup would have been, exactly. putting up, you know, top 20 numbers potentially. So, um, yeah. you know, I think people can't forget that and they can't downgrade these guys just because there's other talented players on the roster, because I know some people have love for Blake Jarwin, but this is going to be pretty concentrated. Those three receivers, and then the running back, Zeke, and we'll see how much Pollard gets involved. But all three of these receivers are going to be heavily involved. And, yeah, I think they could all finish. I don't even think it's that crazy that they could all finish in the top top 24 or so. No, I mean, back we have to remember how much time Dak missed last year. And we talked Brian Dable. You know, we won't go over our Kellen Moore love, but we've definitely voiced uh, 
our adoration for Kellen Moore and what's going on there. Because you look at some of the statistics and just, you know, remember CD lamb wasn't there in, in 2019, but they were still fifth as a wide receiver position in catches second in receiving yards. They were, uh, I think they only scored like, uh, or no, they, I think they were top five that year in touchdowns at the wide receiver position. But what I'm saying is they scored the third most fantasy points in 2019 at the wide receiver position before CD lamb even came into town in Kellen Moore's first season. And then last year with, you know, only a third of the season with Dak, they still scored the seventh most fantasy points and they were top five across the board, except for touchdowns. The wide receivers only scored 17 touchdowns. So there's some regression to be had. And I love what you said. Like all three of these guys are going to be involved. Like all three of those guys had hundred plus targets last year and the freaking running backs and tight ends combined for over 200 targets last year in this mm -hmm. offense. So there is a ton of room for these guys, uh, to keep going. And I love what you said about the defense, because that really factors into my projections and things like that when it comes to play volume and uh, pass rates and things like that. So I, I think we're definitely on the right track really quick, because I think you might have these guys, if I'm not mistaken, ranked back to back in your rankings, but I wanted to go to the Buccaneers wide receivers next, but I wouldn't mind going to the third guy first and saying who you would prefer between Gallup and Antonio Brown, who I should tell viewers and listeners that he did report late for camp, apparently. That is uh, a bit of a coin flip, but I would go with Gallup just because of the off-field issues with Brown. If I'm really forced to make a pick there in a draft, I'm probably going to go with Gallup because you don't know at any moment AB could do something and all of a sudden that's it. And they have the talent in that receiving core that if he screws up, they that's really could promote a Scotty Miller or Tyler Johnson or Jalen Darden really impressing in camp apparently. So uh, they got all those other guys that could step up on top of having you know, two of the best receivers uh, ahead of Brown on the depth chart there. So I had to pick between those two, but I will also say Michael Gallup is a great dynasty buy right now because he's a free agent after this year. And I don't know that everybody kind of like we've talked about, I don't know if everybody kind of knows just how good he could be. You could probably get him on the cheap last year. I traded uh, David Johnson about halfway through the season. I traded David Johnson for him. Right just on. knowing that once Dak comes back this year, and then also in 2022 free agent, maybe he ends up on another team or maybe they end up moving on from Amari Cooper and Gallup ends up being one of the top two in Dallas. So a lot of possibilities for a talented player. And that's what you want to do. You want to get as many of those talented players on your team and just hope that the situations figure themselves out. And uh, one of those guys, maybe even on the higher end in that respect is Chris Godwin. And I love Chris Godwin. You know, I've always, you know, Trav been like, why would I take mm -hmm. the air yards that are a little bit unstable over the yards after the catch that are just so stable uh, obviously I might've misread that with Tom Brady coming in and it did look a lot Bruce Arians ish last year and it could going forward and the writing might be on the wall for Chris Godwin, but you Justin have Bruce Arian and Tom Brady slot wide receiver, Chris Godwin ranked ahead of Mike Evans. How come? Well, I think the concerns are kind of overblown and it's partially, I mean, we could compare it to the, the Cowboys thing on a lot of levels. We could compare it in the sense that, I mean, all three of those Bucks receivers could end up being in the top 24, too. That wouldn't be that shocking based on what we saw them do last yeah. year. From week nine on, after Antonio Brown showed up, you want to look at what they were averaging. Uh, Mike Evans, ninth most fantasy points among receivers. Chris Godwin, 17th. Brown, 26th. Um, you had Brady in his final seven regular season contests. He averaged the fifth most fantasy points among all quarterbacks. Now, when you're talking about an older quarterback, the bottom could fall out at any point, right? We could have that kind of Peyton Manning drop off that drew Brees, Like all of a sudden Brady's not connecting downfield. He's coming off that knee surgery. So we'll see what happens there, but I really think this offense is still going to keep humming. Um, they really brought everybody back. They're solid on both sides of the ball. 
I think they're going to do this thing all over again. The schedule is a little bit harder this year, but maybe that makes them pass even more. We'll see. Um, and if you look at Godwin was banged up last year too. People forget that they look at the yeah. numbers and they go, Oh, Godwin didn't have as good of a year. He missed some time. He played hurt. If you want to look at the games after AB showed up, you take Godwin's numbers over the, the second half of the season there, you extrapolate them over 16 games. He would have had 1,122 yards and 10 touchdowns. If we're just talking about what he did in the second half of the year, put over a full season. So that's playing alongside Antonio Brown and Mike Evans. So really people want to forget that Chris Godwin, you know, a year ago before the season, we were talking about Godwin as top 10 guy as the best receiver yeah. on this team. Potentially he's still really young, 25. Um, yeah. I, I still really, really like Godwin. Um, and you know, Mike Evans, he's been doing it nonstop. He's been pulling it off those thousand yard seasons. He puts up a lot of touchdowns, but we talked about already a couple times here that those touchdowns can be a little bit fluky. So if that number came down for Evans, um, it could be problematic for his fantasy stats. So either way, I'm not talking down about any of these guys. They're all going to be good for fantasy this year. Oh. You want to grab them if you can. You're not going to probably be able to get all three of them, but take your pick on the early guys. Grab that value with AB later, and, and you'll be happy. Yeah, and I, I should have prefaced it with that. Like you have both these guys as third round picks in a in a PPR yeah. draft, both top twenty wide receivers, totally justifiably. Uh, and I think that Antonio Brown and Michael Gallup are guys we identified there as really good uh, back end of your wide receiver room uh, options, no doubt about it. And just you know, I would compare Chris Godwin's numbers to almost anybody over the last two years when it comes to on a per game basis. And I think uh, him and Mike Evans could be winners in Dynasty a year from now uh, once they, there could be a divorce coming there, I would say. Um, because I yeah, think Godwin does want to go be the number one somewhere, and he could be. Seems like it. But if the good times are rolling there and if you know he doesn't get hurt this year and he puts up a great season with Brady, and if Brady decides to come back for one more after this, and if yeah. we believe his trainer, that's what's going to happen. He's going <laughs> to do this year. And, and he's a good year. recruiter. That guy's a good recruiter. Yeah, exactly. Um, if that happens, then yeah, maybe Godwin will stick around and they'll keep the band together. Love it. Love it. So I'm going to roll us into our next set of teammates in just one sec, but I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor monkey knife fight. They have got all the player props you can need to make a little cash. Obviously the season hasn't started, but it's coming. And right now you can get in on UFC action. Um, baseball is not going what tie what sports do we have going on right baseball now? Baseball is very much. It's going, very much yes. going. Jeez, sorry. I'm just baseball, though. Yeah, I don't follow it as much anymore, and it's kind heard of football's a, coming. Heard football's right around exactly. the corner. Exactly. Well, the Hall of Fame <laughs> game is this week, um, and it's uh, it's going to be fun, man. Um, but yeah, go to Monkey Knife Fight. Use our promo code TNFF, and you can get into any of the player props. They got esports over there. They got all sorts of stuff. So get in there, make some money. All sorts of skill levels, knowledge levels. You can get in there, and you can have fun throwing some cash down. So that promo code again is TNFF at monkeyknifefight.com. Uh, so Justin, the next, uh, the next pairing of wide receivers are one of my favorite duos in the league. And that would be Cooper cup and, uh, and Robert Woods in yes. Los Angeles. Got that shiny new veteran quarterback in Matthew Stafford. Um, I'm seeing, and I love it. You got Robert Woods at wide receiver 12. I am a Cooper Cup truther, though, Justin. I do have Cooper uh -oh. Cup four spots ahead of you at 20. <laughs> I see that you got him at 24, but that's okay. I do want to dive into that because with you being such an accurate ranker, I want to make sure that I'm not missing something here. So I want you to talk a little bit about Robert Woods at 12 and then Cooper Cup at 24 as well. Okay, so every year 
one of my favorite articles to write is the players are going to lead you to a fantasy title. I think that's, you know, you want to talk about actionable. Those are the guys that I'm trying to draft as many places as I can. And now I'm just kind of handing the keys over to everybody else. And I try to pick guys that are like in different rounds so that maybe you'd have a chance to get all of them. It's probably pretty rare, but maybe you could. And I know for sure Robert Woods was in it last year. He's in it this year. He might've been in it each of the last three years because this guy (laughs) has just been like what an incredible value. The guy's like basically a a wide receiver one in fantasy. At least he's been a a top 15 guy pretty much for the last four years. Like if you look at it, he finished wide receiver 14 in 2020 wide receiver 14 in 2019 wide receiver 11 in 2018. So you're looking at those. Um, he was on pace for 75 receptions over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns in 2017. So he would have been flirting with the top 15 again there. Uh, but he was limited to just 12 outings that year. So I'm giving you his, his on pace stat. Yeah, so that's perfect. really with Sean McVay, since he went to LA, this guy is a top 15 fantasy receiver. Now, most years you were able to get him like outside of the top 20, maybe later people just didn't, they had seen him with the bills. They didn't think mm-hmm. he was going to be that guy. And now he's come around a bit. Now he tends to, to fall inside the top 20. So people are kind of realizing what's going yeah, on there. But finally. he has. But now this year, he gets a whole nother upgrade. He was doing that with Jared Goff at quarterback. Now you bring in, like you said, Matthew Stafford. All boats are going to be raised there. I don't think that the fantasy community is talking enough about just how good this passing attack could be. And then on top of that, you lose Cam Akers. Now you take a hit in the running game. Maybe they have to throw even more mm-hmm. and you want to follow those drum beats. All the talk out of Rams camp, Sean McVay just blown away. They're so happy to have Stafford. And of course Stafford gives him a legitimate quarterback. Now he doesn't have to, you know, puppet Jared Goff around the field. He doesn't have to tell him exactly what to do in his ear. Now Stafford can go out there. He can read defenses himself. Stafford is really good in the play action game. I don't think they did that enough with the Lions. The Rams, it's a huge part of their offense. Yeah. So it really, everything is coming together for that passing attack to be fantastic. And if you have Woods already performing like he was performing with Jared Goff there, now you have a legit quarterback throwing him the ball. We're seeing some highlights out of camp. You don't want to get too excited about highlights, but we're seeing a bunch of highlights out of camp. <laughs> well, we kind of do. Like, I do. Yeah, you got, you got, you know, Stafford. And there was some worry about his, his thumb. He hit it on a helmet. He was fine. Yeah. He came back. He was throwing the ball over the yard. So uh, he's okay there. Um, so yeah, I, I would not be shocked at all if, if Robert Woods ended up being a top 12 receiver this year. That's where I believe he's going to finish. And I have him on as many possible fantasy teams as I can. Uh, looking at Cooper Cup, it's just that Woods has, has for the most part, I know, I know that you know Cup had the big touchdown year. He is just not as talented of a receiver, in my opinion. If you look at like Matt Harmon's reception perception. Cup's just a guy that he's not good against man coverage. He really is a guy that I think Sean McVay kind of schemes open a little bit. He he puts him in positions that he's going to succeed. You can't put Cooper Cup on the outside and expect him to win consistently. It's just not going to happen. So he'll be fine. They'll play him in the slot. They'll have Stafford there. They'll have that connection. I mean, Stafford, Golden Tate, you kind of draw some similarities between those. Um, But yeah, I think overall, I just want a ton of pieces of that Rams offense. And I have to pay up now to get my guy, Robert Woods, but I'm more than willing to do it. I don't end up with cup as many places. And perhaps that's because I get a lot of Robert Woods and and maybe, but I just, I haven't been as high on cup. Normally, like I said earlier, I want to grab the guys that I think are supremely talented. And I just don't feel that way about Cooper cup, but that doesn't mean that he can't produce for fantasy and he's in a good spot where we don't really know who the third is in that passing attack. 
uh, could be Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson. There'll probably be a rotation with Tutu Atwell. They'll yeah. kind of bring all those guys Who in. helps and, Robert Woods, yeah. Yeah. Like, just Jake, really quick, Jake, Robert Woods led the go. NFL in screen passes, receptions off screen passes, receiving yards off screen passes last year. That's what Tutu Atwell did best in college. So, you know, we think of Stafford and some of the, you know, additions to this offense the wrinkles we could see uh like i straight up think robert woods could see his league leading super low value targets that he's seen in screen passes get converted almost entirely into like deep targets that have been almost non-existent in the jared golf era and trav i've talked a lot about the uh you know how much they've run inside the 10 yard line and how they could pass more and how much they've relied on touchdowns being scored from inside the red zone and how they could score more of their touchdowns from outside the red zone i think all that really helps robert woods because yeah, Deshaun Jackson can certainly uh, have something to say about that probably early on in the season. But as the season wears on, I think Robert Woods is the guy who will just dominate this team in air yards, right? And I don't think, you know, this will come at the expense of yards after the catch for this offense that has been so dominant in that facet. Yeah, and you get helped out. I mean, they give Woods carries out of the backfield. They find yeah. ways to get the ball in his hands, right? So uh, just you get a, a lot of different ways that he can score with the ball. And, and I love that for fantasy and I don't see that stopping now that they have a better quarterback this year. No, definitely. Definitely. And tied to your point, there's this, just the increase in air yards is what, what I'm loving. And and like you said, Justin, like when you get into like the wide receiver 13 to 24 area, we're kind of splitting hairs. So I mentioned that like I've got Cooper cup four spots higher than you, but really that's not that big of a gap. Um, and, uh, I totally see what you're seeing on that low average depth of target reliance on yards after the catch for Cooper cup. Um, I'm just hoping that we get maybe a couple yards extra on that a dot for him that can kind of bring him up that extra level. So Matthew Stafford, please make it happen for me and my boy Cooper cup. Um, the next one though, the, this is the one that I've had a couple of good little debates in some of our all Canadian group chats, and that would be LaVisca Chenault versus DJ Chark. Um, I know you've got him pretty close, Justin, at 34 for LaVisca and 38 for Chark. Um, I'm curious, though, what what you see um, being the avenue for LaVisca to perform as the wide receiver one for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is another one where I'm following that drumbeat. And there's a few things that kind of line up all together on top of that. But we've heard from the beat writers, from the team that that he's shining there, that, you know, he looks like he's the best skill position player in that offense through OTAs and stuff. So when you talk about, you combine that with a player that when he was coming out, really the only concern about him was durability. He was a guy that that was banged up a lot in college. Was he going to be able to, to maintain his health and, and really reach his peak in the pros? I, I wrote him up that way. I wanted to put him in the same group. And I, I talked about it in my article pre-draft, uh, last year where I looked at it and I said, this guy has the talent to be up with the Judy's and the lambs. Like he is that good, but we just don't know health wise, yeah. if he's going to be able to hold up in the pros and how they're going to use him. And, you know, even though he is a guy that kind of like Robert Woods, that you could give some carries to, you could find different ways to get him the ball. If he's being used in all those ways, is that going to give him more hits? Is that going to put him, mm -hmm. you know, a higher risk of injury um, right now? He's staying healthy. I know he was a little bit banged up last year, but he flashed last year when he got opportunities, uh, 14 games as a rookie, a pretty weak Jaguars passing attack. I think we could all admit that as much as people might like Gardner Minshew. Yeah. That <laughs> offense, yeah, exactly. That offense was not great. And uh, the quarterback played not great last year, but 58 passes, 600 yards, five touchdowns. 
had 91 yards on the ground. So you start to look at that potential kind of Robert Woods production where he can, can get you some rushing yards and boost mm-hmm. his values there. Um, you know, I just think he's a guy that is explosive. He's dynamic. They've talked him up here. And really, he is an ascending player. He's a player that we thought could be a number one in an offense if given the chance. And then you have the coaching staff come in, kind of talk down DJ Shark a little bit. And don't get me wrong. I just took DJ Shark in a a wide receiver 37 in a dynasty league. Nice. Um, I I like Shark as well. And I like what Shark's doing right now where the coaching staff came in and they challenged him. And he seems to be answering the challenge. You see him out in the field with Urban Meyer. They're kind of running through little drills and Meyer's kind of helping them, you know, br- teaching them how to brush off a defender and that stuff. Um, you see him really getting shark, getting excited about run blocking, which, you know, shark is that doesn't really seem like that kind of player. Contract I think that's part of that, that coaching <laughs> staff kind of bringing that mentality. Right. And, and him kind of recognizing that he needs to bring that to the table. Um, and then we have to remember too, that Marvin Jones is there and Marvin yeah. Jones could be the thorn in everybody's side, or this could be another situation where, if Trevor Lawrence is as good as we think he could be, maybe this ends up being not necessarily on par with the Bucks or the Cowboys, but maybe we start to get up near that range where potentially all three of these guys could totally. be fantasy viable. Um, but if I'm ranking them right now, based on what we're hearing out of camp, there's a lot more excitement for Chanel. And if you break down just their profiles, Chanel really has the potential to be that number one, to be almost like a, like a Des Bryant type player. He can play mm-hmm. on the outside and be that type of guy. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. a really big body guy. He can be that kind of guy, really thick, uh, really strong. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing kind of that path happening right now for him. And really nothing has, has steered me the wrong way with that so far. And then Chino- or a shark, like I said, had some of those issues with the coaching staff. Now you also have Marvin Jones there and shark as much as he had that thousand yard season, I don't know that he really is that guy. I don't really know that he yeah. is the the number one guy who's going to be durable on the outside. Um, but there's a lot of variables here. I mean, Chanel totally. could get hurt before the season and all of a sudden Shark blows up, Marvin Jones blows up. Um, so yeah, th- there's a lot of potential outcomes here. But if I have to place a bet right now, Chanel with everything that we're hearing, looks like he's headed towards being the number one in that offense on an offense. that's about to get another offense that's about to get a massive, massive quarterback upgrade with yeah. Trevor Lawrence being there. And still having a bad defense, I think plays into all of these guys. And I, I like what you said that this could be kind of one of those offenses where we want all three pieces. Cause if you look at Chark and Marvin Jones, those are guys who can get production for your fantasy team off of n- lower volume, right? Chark with those big deep bombs, Marvin Jones with his red zone target share. So I really like that. And I like the thought of LaVisca being that versatile, heavily targeted weapon. Like uh, this, this, this has just been such a mystery box for me, these wide receivers. So I'm glad I asked you about them. And um, hey, you're not the only one I've flip flopped yeah, them. I've flip-flopped them during the off season. I had Shark yeah. higher than Chanel at one point too. Yep. Yeah, that's where I'm at still right now, but I'm uh, I'm gonna have to revisit and and look into some some Urban Meyer tendencies a little bit more. Maybe um, one more I want to ask you about Ty. I know I've been rambling, and I am going to uh, pass it over to you, my man, in just one sec. But Justin, you just talked Jerry Judy there when you were mentioning uh, Lavisca coming out of the draft. Um, so Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton also very close, also a bit of a mystery box wide receiver room. So. Um, can you talk about how you have those two guys relative to each other and what you think the out, the outlook is for that Denver passing attack and these two in particular? Yeah. And a little bit similar of a situation where you have this kind of young ascending talent. And then you also have this, this veteran that, you know, has already put up a big season, 
But now with Sutton, there's a little bit different. He's coming off the injury, so that kind of complicates things. And he doesn't look totally back all the way yet, so Mm -hmm. that can be problematic in some of those clips. It doesn't seem like he's kind of running perfectly or 100%. Uh, But if you look at Judy, it was a mixed bag for him last year. Um, A guy that was top 10 in air yards, a guy who was below 50% in his catch rate, um, you know, which is just absolutely terrible. We knew he had some drop issues in college. I don't think we expect him to come out and be that bad, but look at the quarterback play that they had last year. Yeah. You had a, a bad Drew Locke. You had that Kendall Hinton game. You had uh, Brett Riffin and Jeff Driscoll. I'm trying to whoa, think of all the guys whoa. that were Canadian playing quarterbacks there. Yeah. <laughs> so just really bad quarterback play. So we can attribute some of that to, to, to Judy, not really coming through. And yet I see some people talking that, you know, he didn't really show up last year, but, he still had over 800 yards, I'm pretty sure. Like, not a complete bust by any means. All we really need is that catch rate to go up. And to do that, you need better quarterback play. I think we're going to mm-hmm. get that this year. No, they didn't get Aaron Rodgers. But you're either going to get uh, improved Drew Locke because of this quarterback competition and he proves himself and shows that he can be the guy and he's the best option. Or they're going to go to Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, the ceiling might not be that high. But Teddy can be that steady quarterback. We saw last year with the Panthers. Mm-hmm. He really helped facilitate three top 25 fantasy wideouts, right? When you talk about Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore totally. and Curtis Samuel there. So he can really help these receivers get it done for fantasy. Um, and a lot of people are saying that, you know, what it looks like in camp is that if Bridgewater gets the job, that's actually going to be better for Judy. Um, but on top of that, now, when you look at that court and Sutton injury, and the fact that he doesn't look like he's all the way back. Now I think it's really starting to become a slam dunk that Judy's going to be the guy and not to continuously fall back on these training camp narratives. But like I said, when we hear these really, really strong drum beats coming out of camp and shout out to football guys, you know, Sigmund Bloom, Cecil Lammy, those guys, I feel like they were like the first ones that always mm-hmm. used drum beat. And now everybody's using it. But totally. <laughs> when you hear it coming out about these guys, there's some guys where when everybody is saying it, the team, the beat writers, everyone, I think you need to take notice. I think the problem is, when we're fantasy managers and you draft a player and you really want them to do well. And then you hear that one beat writer say, Oh, he looked good in practice today. And you jump on that and you go, okay, great. He's going to be good. And it was just one beat writer who happened to see one play or something like that. And it's just their opinion. But when you hear everybody saying the same thing and it's that Judy is dominant, that his route running is fantastic. We knew that all along. We knew that coming out. That's really what made him pro ready last year. Um, you know, maybe a little more pro ready than some of the other prospects coming out, even sure. though the other guys really stepped up. The Justin Jefferson's proved us wrong. Hello, but in yeah. the in the the pre-draft stuff, we we really thought that Judy was looking like he was the most pro ready. And I think his route running is is on par with some of the best guys in the league. He is he's able to win in that respect. So now if we get better quarterback play and Sutton's not really up to to par, and even if Sutton is, when you look at last year. You, I'm not worried about the target volume there because yeah. you had Fant already getting a lot of targets. You had Tim Patrick sort of playing that Sutton role. He had 79 targets on the season. You had a guy yeah. like Deshaun Hamilton getting 44 targets last year. So Sutton can still get his if you just siphon from those guys. Yeah. And then you allow you allow Judy to get what he got last year and just improve that catch rate. Let's see him get in the end zone a little more. And I think the better quarterback play is going to allow him to do that. So another ascending talent that you want to be ahead on a guy that you're probably not going to be able to get in dynasty. I was telling people during the off season to go trade for him. Now that we're getting these camp reports, I don't think you're going to be able to get him at any sort of value at this point, but a guy that is about to erupt and be a good receiver for a very long time. And it's going to start this year. 
Totally. Another pairing that, that uh, works in different ways too, with Sutton being that downfield red zone target with the big body and Judy, we've talked about it a little bit, Ty, hopefully kind of coming into the slot a little bit more, maybe not being one of those top 10 in the league air yards guys. Cause I don't think that's necessarily the best fit for him, but give him, you know, a, last year. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really work out. Right. And so uh, <laughs> maybe get him a little bit more comfy in the role that he's playing in. And um, I think that's just a testament to what he actually did do last year being that he might not have been playing in his best environment, you know? So I uh, love that on the Broncos receivers. Another, another really tough one to rank and tough one to pull the trigger on in drafts sometimes. But I think we should be going back to our, you know, pre-draft process with Judy, who we were all in love with. He was a 21-year-old rookie. He checks all those kind of boxes that we love. Um, and it was just the team, right? Like, you know, the drops were the drops, and the drops are going to be the drops possibly with Judy going forward. You know, we might not be able to eliminate the five to ten drops per season. But this guy's always going to be open. And, you know, that they had the second worst uh, bad throw percentage on pro football reference last year in Denver, only behind your Eagles, Trav. And that game with Kendall Hinton, you know, it's just, it's really crazy. The catch rate and the bad, the bad, uh, the bad throw rate to Jerry Judy last year and stability is all this guy need. I mean, uh, like 30% of his points came in two games last year. I think it was against Atlanta and Las Vegas too. So these were two crap teams. And I think those were the only two games he had over 75 yards receiving last year. So all this guy needs is some Hmm. stability. And I think he's going to be an entirely polar opposite fantasy asset from what he was last season. I think he's going to be a relatively safe weekly option uh, in 2022, uh, 21, especially if it's Teddy Bridgewater uh, under center. Yeah. Because that is a good defense well, endeavor. Right. They're going to want to play some smart football there. And uh, yeah. I, I'm expecting I'm a much to, better football team. When you talk about accurate passes, turn way, I'm trying to find this stat. I had it in my breakout column. Uh, Judy ranked, he ranked near the bottom of the league in percent of accurate passes. 38% of the passes thrown his way, according to pro football focus, <laughs> were deemed accurate. And that put Jeez. him right down at the bottom of the league. Like, yeah. So a lot of it is not yeah. on your heart out, AJ so Green. Most most of his incompletions then. <laughs> yeah. We really yeah, and, and drops a lot of the top guys have drops. Yeah, like that's true. that's exactly. a stat that ends up getting really, really over overvalued yeah. in the wrong way, I suppose. And um, and if we so expect yeah, Denver to be that. better, the touchdowns will be there. Like he only scored three times last year. All three of those games were the only games that Denver scored twenty seven or more points. Like I know that's not causation. I'm just saying the more they score, the more likely Jerry Judy is to score. And it just so happened that all three of his touchdowns came in games they scored uh their most points of all and yeah i just think the area is going to come down but that's gonna he's a lot of different things are gonna be snowballing to compensate for that for sure giddy up all right justin well that about does it for the show this evening uh we are gonna wrap we're coming up on that hour mark cannot thank you enough for coming on the show not only are you one of the absolute best in the business. It was awesome to have another Canadian on. Ty said it at the top. Inspirational for all of us, honestly, man. Like we live on a tiny little island on the West Coast of Canada talking about American football and seeing people such as yourself from this same great country of ours. is uh, It's really cool to see, man. So thank you for that and thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I was on uh, the Denver radio station the other day, and at the end of the interview, they said, oh, one more question. Are you from Canada? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, why? Is there a bit of an accent or something? They're like, yeah, our listeners were commenting. They could tell you're from Canada. And I'm always wondering, what is it? I can't tell Same. what it is. You know, I, I watched the movie Titanic, I and I can pinpoint the Canadian, but I can't hear. Like, there's this one part in the movie Titanic where there's Canadians who are like, I don't know. Apparently, it hit over there. 
And it's like, oh my God, that guy's Canadian. Do we sound like that? But yeah, so we all. I know there's certain parts of Canada where it's, you know, just like in the the States, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of Minnesota accent, you know, that kind (laughs) of, that kind of thing, that, that Fargo kind of accent. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a few different ones, but I don't know if that's kind of getting attributed to Canada or if there's certain words that are tipping it off, but I'm going to have to do some research and figure out what that is. But early on in my career, I kind of hid the fact that I was from Canada. I thought that no one in the States who followed the NFL would want to have take advice from a Canadian guy. Um, and then after a while, when I was doing well in the, the fantasy pros contest and I started to kind of prove the accuracy, it didn't really matter where I was from. As long as I kept putting out those accurate yeah, rankings, totally. people didn't really care what country I was doing it from. So, well, I said that to, uh, oh, sorry. I just, uh, you know, I mentioned to Travis when we first started this, like, I don't know, wouldn't it be kind of like Ryan McDowell coming up and doing a hockey podcast? I just, I don't know if we should <laughs> podcast it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as long as you, you, you do your research and you, and you are accurate, you know, what can people argue against, you know? So yeah, you guys are doing certainly a great gone job. about it the right way. <laughs> no, you guys are doing a great job. You guys are extremely professional and I always appreciate that. You know, not, not everybody in the industry is. So when people are coming <laughs> and, and, you know, bringing, you got the, the great video work, you guys, you know, on time, all that sort of stuff, great questions, great conversation, you know, your stuff about football. And that's what I love. And that's what makes this job so fun that, you know, yeah. that I, I'm getting to do this. I get to sit with you guys for an hour here and, and chat about football and it's fantastic i you know i can't believe this is my job i'm constantly appreciative that you know i worked very hard to to get where i am in the industry but i i every day kind of wake up and i'm just stunned that this is what i get to do for a living uh, you know there's a long time when i was kind of doing fantasy on the side um and now this is the full-time gig so i'm very happy that i, I get opportunities like this to talk with you guys and we'll we'll definitely have to do it again just let me know well, maybe Please. not during the season maybe after the yeah. maybe yeah. Like an totally. off-season thing when there's <laughs> yeah. a little more time yeah. but um, yeah. yeah, I'd love to come on with you guys again and congrats on the hundred episodes. Thanks, no, man. Thanks so much. Really and Trav, it. my last words will just be, you know, make sure everyone's checking out the draft kit. The score yeah. app is something that us Canadians have been familiar with for almost a decade now. I know it's transitioned a little bit uh, since high school, but uh, man, that's a, a killer app. It is probably the best app. I can't believe how much of it is purely from Justin Boone. You know what I mean? Like everything that's that insane. draft kit you can trust is from Justin Boone. We were just talking uh, in our group chat yesterday about, you know, how much we hate trade calculators, all this stuff. I told people just use, say, Mike Clay's as the market, that dynasty set there. Use your own rankings plus the Justin Boone's or a Pat Fitzmorris as uh, as your guideline as well. And uh, that's pretty much what a trade calculator should look like, in my opinion. Or it's the easier way to go about it. So I just can't thank you enough for coming on. I think it was entirely the pleasure of our listeners and viewers. Yeah. And everyone needs to check out the draft kit, have the score app on their phone, and check out the episode with Pat Fitzmorris. Uh, Pat Fitz Morris, because that's two of, you know, the most accurate analysts year in and year out. Uh, Gavin, that's amazing. Yeah, and who doesn't like that's the best. I love having him on. We've had him on a ton of times. He's probably up there for one of our most frequent guests. And yeah, love chatting with him. Love kind of comparing notes a little bit and seeing where we have some differences. And the episode was all about quarterbacks, which, you know, has changed quite a bit. It used to be you went for the top guys and people went late round. And yeah. now there's a lot of different approaches you could take. And we kind of talk through some of the different strategies that you could look at this year, not just which players, but kind of how to approach it in your draft and how to adapt along the way, depending how the draft goes. Cause we know you can't go in with a really rigid plan, right? You got to be willing to kind of adapt depending what other managers do. So yeah, it was a great episode. Love having Pat on. And, and this was a great episode too, guys. And yeah, check out, download the score. The other thing I will say about the app and the draft kit is that it's free. There are a bunch of great draft kits out there. A lot of them you got to pay 100%. for. The score is putting ours out for free <laughs> yeah. still. So you can't can't really argue with that. 
Yeah, free is always good. The best and, and the freest. Yeah, exactly. What more could you possibly <laughs> want? So make sure you catch Justin on the Score Fantasy Football Podcast, as we were just talking about, and find him on Twitter at Justin Boone. Big shout out to our sponsors, Trophy Smack and Monkey Knife Fight, and much love to the uh, the Fantasy Points Media Group. So we appreciate them. Until next week, we will talk to you then. Peace.